Neha, what's the tea? You mean the novelty? Welcome to The Novelty, a podcast dedicated to books. Not just the Western male-centric books from the high school lit class. We'll also read books by women, people of color, and from around the world. We'll dive into literary technique and character analysis. But don't worry, we aren't afraid to spill the tea and give our unfiltered opinions. Together, we'll redefine the classics. Will today's pick stand the test of time? Keep listening to find out. Hello, everyone. Welcome to 2024. <laughs> oh my gosh, it's 2024. That's crazy. I know. And it's almost a year since we started this podcast. That's true. Well, today we are going to be talking about season three and everything that that encompasses. We're so excited. We like had a couple ideas of what we wanted to do for this season, but... We had a lot of discussions and went back and forth on the theme and like what kinds of books we wanted to look into. So it was a journey. Within picking the theme, we had a lot of discussions. And then even after we picked the theme, picking the books under that theme was like multiple discussions. <laughs> and so we have worked really hard to get to where we are right now to provide good content for our audience. Yeah. And to also, like, personally, selfishly enjoy the books that we're reading as well. <laughs> yeah. So our theme, if you follow us on social media, you have already heard what the theme is. But the theme for this season is going to be Other Worlds. Ooh, I feel like Ooh. this theme would have been so much better for, like, fall and winter. Fall, but I know. It's okay. It's still cold right now. It's cold. Yeah. Other Worlds. That's our theme. So we will be going into everything that is otherworldly. That's like gothic, horror, fantasy, science fiction, dystopian universes, mythology, fairy tale. Yeah, it's like season one, we did America. Season two, we did around the world. And season three, we're doing <laughs> other worlds. <laughs> Just yeah. getting far away from reality as possible. Yep, pretty much. So this will be an interesting season for us because we both like fantasy, but I think our tastes are slightly different. And then I'm not a big science fiction person. Mm -hmm. And I love science fiction. Like, there's definitely boundaries I have to number one being how old the science fiction is. Because I find, like, sci-fi written in, like, the 50s or 60s, though deemed classics, have trouble reading just because of the writing style. Yeah. Well, but, a lot of them are really pulpy, which mm -hmm. is, like, part of my issue sometimes. And I also feel like with science fiction, there's a lot of anti-feminism in those type mm -hmm. of books that are especially written in the 50s and 60s. So our sci-fi picks were definitely difficult. Yeah. And I think the thing about a lot of these genres is that they get excluded from, like, serious conversation and, like, they get dismissed as not important and I, I feel like probably I tend to do that as well with some of the pulpy sci-fi or, like, dystopian fiction has had kind of an explosion in the past 10, 20 years. So I think it'll be really interesting to read those genres of books through this format because it really forces us to think about what we're reading and, like, engage with it on a deeper level. 
Yeah, I also think that that Mine and Trippy's taste in this genre is so different that I feel like this season's gonna be a lot of disagreements. Like, I'm just <laughs> seeing, like, a lot of conflicting opinions and maybe some very contrasting ratings and who knows. I already have some predictions on that front. <laughs> but yeah, when we were doing research for this season, we realized, and how you actually came across the kind of academic term for what we are trying to capture, which is speculative fiction. Yeah, it's it's super hard to name all of these like subgenres under one term because like Shippy mentioned at the beginning of the episode, we're doing fantasy, sci-fi, horror, dystopian, but all of these things come under what's called speculative fiction, which is a broad umbrella category of fiction that encompasses all genres that depart from reality or reality as we see it. So it could be like a parallel reality as well. Just some examples that I have on here are fantasy, obviously. So when you think fantasy, you think like Lord of the Rings, Harry Potter, Game of Thrones, and then there's science fiction, which you think Transformers, Terminator, Blade Runner, or like the most classic forms of science fiction. Then there's horror, which I think we're very lightly doing horror in this season, but you think like, I don't know, The Exorcist and like The Grudge and that's... Like Rosemary's Baby and... Yeah, and I think Stephen King, a lot of his books come under horror as well. Utopian obviously is like what takes place in the desirable society and dystopian is the opposite, so it takes place in an undesirable society. So for dystopian, you think like Last of Us, The Handmaid's Tale is probably a very good example of that. Some other ones that we are probably not going to do this season are like superhero comes under speculative fiction, apocalyptic or post-apocalyptic. So it takes place during like a worldwide catastrophe or the events that happen after a worldwide catastrophe. Which I think one of our books has some of those elements. Yeah, Another one category that we might be lightly in some of the books that we're doing is supernatural. So it's similar to horror or fantasy, but it requires themes that don't exist in the natural world. So, for example, paranormal activity would be supernatural. Um, Stranger Things is probably is the best example of supernatural. A good example might be like Hamlet the ghost in Hamlet, mm-hmm. that is a supernatural element, but I don't think it would make any sense to categorize Hamlet as horror. So there's like yeah. supernatural stories or elements in a lot of places that may not necessarily be horror. Yeah. I think probably the another good example of supernatural would be like Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Mm-hmm. And I think supernatural, it's hard to categorize that as its own genre. I think there's a lot of supernatural elements in yeah. the genres that we already talked about. And then another subgenre that we'll be discussing, which it can be included in speculative fiction, I think, is mythology. And so everybody knows mythology based off folklore or based off age-old stories. And I think the mythology books that we're doing this season aren't. I think one of them is a retelling, but the other one is just like has elements of mythology weaved into the characters in the story. But yeah, so that's speculative fiction, which is basically 
what we're doing this season. Yeah, it'll be interesting. It's going to be a departure from my comfort zone. So we'll see. Mm -hmm. Okay, so getting to our books. The first book that we will be reading is the lightest on the speculative side. We're kind of softly treading in, and that is The Secret History by Donna Tartt. So I feel like everyone who reads a decent amount has heard of this book. When I was looking this up, I learned it was published in 1992. Did you know that? No. I thought it came out, like, in the last 10 years. Yeah, because I see it, like, everywhere. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It was her first book. It was published when she was 29. (laughs) Any new girl fans out there understand that. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So Donna Tartt is from Mississippi, um, she's written other books. The Goldfinch came out more mm-hmm. recently, I think like probably 10 years ago. Have you read that one? I haven't. It's been on my TBR for probably 10 years, though. <laughs> <laughs> I read The Goldfinch. It was good. And so The Secret History is, at its core, it's kind of a murder mystery set in a New England college in the 1980s. And the reason we picked it for this theme and this season is because it has a really strong gothic tradition behind it and some elements of horror. I don't think it's in the horror genre, but it definitely has those elements. And I don't know. I've just seen this book everywhere and I feel like I need to read it and talk about it. Did you like her writing style in Goldfinch? Yeah, I liked her writing style in The Goldfinch. I think I didn't love The Goldfinch because the chronicling of the story felt very Dickensian to me, like Dickens. And I'm not a big Dickens fan. I don't really care for those stories that have those like amalgam of characters and like a journey and like suburban, urban. But I liked her writing. And I love murder mysteries. I love gothic fiction. So I'm really excited to dive into like what gothic novels are and like how they're different from or related to horror. And also like what is a modern gothic story? Because a lot of the gothic stories I think of are like either from the 1800s or set in that time. And so, like, what is a modern gothic story and what tradition has carried forward from that? Yeah, for me, just thinking about it, gothic and dark academia are, like, synonymous to each other. But I don't know if that's accurate. I think dark academia probably is related to gothic, but I think gothic is more overarching. Like, I think of Rebecca or, like, even Jane Eyre has gothic elements of, like, I think the key of gothic is, like, there's a strong psychological component of, like, either being trapped or, like, grappling with something. And then there's, like, a juxtaposition of things that are maybe on the surface good or pretty, but then next to something that's bad or horrible and walking that line. So I think Dark Academia is, like, an offshoot of Gothic that definitely grew from this book. Got it. The next book we're doing is called Penelopead by Margaret Atwood. Margaret Atwood is a very well-known author. She's probably most famously known for The Handmaid's Tale, which I mentioned at the beginning of this episode. But uh, she's written 18 books of poetry, 18 novels, 11 books of nonfiction, 9 collections of short fiction, 8 children's books, 2 graphic novels, and a number of small press editions of both poetry and fiction. So she's definitely very well-versed. Um, this book, Penelopead, is under mythology, but it's also under a genre called parallel, and that means that it just kind of borrows elements from 
a already well-known story and retells it as a parallel universe or a parallel character or something of that sort. So this book is a parallel of the myth Odyssey. And so if you aren't familiar with Odyssey, it's about a Greek hero, Odysseus, and his journey home after the Trojan War. He is like away from home for 20 years. And Penelope is the wife of Odysseus. And I think the most like common thing that you know about Penelope in that story is that she has like 108 suitors come visit her in these 20 years that Odysseus is gone. The story is about her and the maids that she had during that time, which famously 12 of her maids were killed after Odysseus comes back from the war. Yeah, so while Odysseus is gone, Penelope, like, all these suitors just kind of crash their house and are partying and spending all their money, eating all their food and drinking their wine, and Penelope has to, like, hold them off, and what she does is she tells them that when she's working on this loom, and when she finishes, she'll pick a suitor. And what she does is, like, every night she unravels everything she did throughout the day so that she's never finished, and that's kind of her, like, delay tactic. But yeah, I'm interested to read that. Have you read The Odyssey? I read, like, a very simple, dumbed-down version of it, I think, when I was much younger. Mm -hmm. So in that sense, I, like, know the basic story, but I have not read, like, the original story at all. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, so a couple years ago, there was a new translation of The Odyssey by Emily Wilson. I've read half of it. I didn't finish it, not because it wasn't good, but because I was in the middle of like a hundred other books at the same time. And I decided I need to save it for later. But I really liked, like the way she approaches the text is that the story of The Odyssey was told to the masses and it was told in a really understandable, easy way. And a lot of the translations of the Odyssey that we have are for weird reasons of like gatekeeping are translated in really archaic and like academic language. And Emily Wilson's version is very colloquial language. Like it's how people would speak and it's current day English. It's not like Shakespearean English. So I think her translation is really good. And she has a really good introduction where she talks about previous translations and like what elements she chose to bring out in her translation, like the women in the story that aren't really given much of a voice. So if anyone wants to read the Odyssey, but is intimidated by it, that's a really good version to read. Yeah, that sounds very similar to how Margaret Atwood's books are as well, especially in The Handmaid's Tale. I've read that one and I've also read The Testament. Mm Mm-hmm. It, it sounds like she does very similarly to Emily Wilson kind of give women a voice in her books. And it's just interesting because in The Handmaid's Tale, there's like a very obvious protagonist and kind of an antagonist. And the testament is in the perspective of the antagonist and kind of mm-hmm. gives her a background and a reason for why she's doing what she's doing. And so... We all love a villain origin story. Mm-hmm. I I really enjoy both those books by her. And those were also very short books. I would say like around 200 pages, similar to, to Penelope Pad. So I think she really knows how to really send a message and write something powerful. Mm-hmm. I think by picking Penelope Ad, we're kind of diverging from her popular works. 
Mm-hmm. Like, I think a lot of what she writes is more dystopian science fiction elements. Like, The Blind Assassin is another famous one that kind of incorporates those genres. But yeah, it'll be interesting to see how she handles a different space. We've both read The Handmaid's Tale, and then you said you read The Testaments. So mm-hmm. I'm curious to see, like, is she just going to do a by the books retelling? Like, is she changing things? And like, is the setting different? So it'll be interesting. Okay. Our next book is American Gods by Neil Gaiman. This book was published in 2001, and it won the 2002 Hugo and Nebula Awards. So this book, I don't know how to describe it, and a lot of the descriptions I saw online were vague. It's technically fantasy, but I think it blends in ancient and modern mythology within the setting of the American landscape. So... I don't know how to say more about it than that, because mm-hmm. I didn't, like, the longer the descriptions about the book were, the more spoilers there were, so I don't want to get too much into it. But Goodreads, one of the descriptions in the book summary says, Scary, gripping, and deeply unsettling, American Gods takes a long, hard look into the soul of America. So, I don't know, that's intriguing to me, to hear how he does that. I read... Good Omens, which was by him and Terry Pratchett. And I thought it was funny. I read it a while ago, so I can't remember if there's like an underlying message. But I think this will be interesting to read. Like in my head, it's like grown up Percy Jackson vibes, but I don't know if that's right. I've read Stardust by Neil Gaiman. Mm-hmm. And granted, I probably read it when I was like 14 or 15 years old. And I remember not being the biggest fan of that book. But, like, just, like, when you search Neil Gaiman fantasy, I feel like Stardust is the first book that pops up. So, hopefully, this one I like more. Or maybe just, I maybe just need to reread Stardust as an adult, because maybe I just didn't understand some complex things when I was, like, that young. Yeah, and I also think that his books are very, like, all his books kind of fit into different genres. Mm-hmm. Like, we were debating some of his other books, like the Graveyard book, I think is a little bit more supernatural. And then Coraline is horror. So like, he just like delves into all these speculative works that are different. So I wonder if his writing is more well suited to one versus another. Yeah. Well, the next book that we'll be doing is The Humans by Matt Haig. Matt Haig is a super popular author. I think more recently, he's been well-known for The Midnight Library. His most widely known book is a memoir, actually, called Reasons to Stay Alive, which he wrote after a personal traumatic experience that he had, and is supposed to be one of the best-selling nonfiction books even now. Hmm. But we are going to be doing The Humans, which actually I have read before. I had it in a shelf discovery, I think, in season two for one of the books that we did. It was The Great Indian Novel, because I mentioned that it had similar satirical elements, and the writing style was, like, a little bit sarcastic and supposed to be kind of funny. When I read this book, I think it was three or four years ago, it was my favorite read of the year, so I'm really scared for Shifty to read it. Well, honestly, I am the worst. Whenever I love a book or a movie, I don't tell anyone. Like, if (laughs) if I love it and it's, like, in my top ten, maybe. But if it's my number one, I don't tell anyone. Because 
I'm worried that other people's opinions will change my mind. Yeah. But anyways, what the book is about, it sounds ridiculous when I say it, but it's a book about an alien that arrives on Earth with a mission to kill a man that has achieved this mathematical or scientific discovery that's considered beyond what is appropriate for humans at that time. But it just gives the perspective of humans and society with someone who has never visited Earth or know, knows what humans are. And it just, it's just funny. Like, it, they just talk about, like, silly quirks that humans have. And so I, I really enjoyed it. I really liked it. But yeah, I'm excited about this one. I'm actually, I'm not excited about this one. <laughs> I'm scared about this one because... Well, I feel like I have to give a disclaimer, which is that I think you and I have very different senses of humor, Mm. which might affect... Like, if what you liked best about the book was the humor, then, like, maybe I may not like it. (laughs) I don't know. I feel like if you enjoyed the humor in the Great Indian novel, then you might enjoy the humor in this one. Okay. Because, like, did you read, um... There's a new book by Andy Weir... Oh, Project Hail Mary? No. Um, That's, like, a similar thing where there's, like, a person and an alien and they, like, talk. There's a lot of commentary on, like, silly things about humans. And it, like, kind of bothered me. But I also think it may have been, A, the writing style and, B, the narrator. Because I listened on audio and, like, I just got irritated. So I feel like it's probably that, not the concept. I don't really remember anything specifically about the writing style that made me like it or dislike it. I did read Midnight Library, which I didn't love. I thought was like a little bit like the concept was just like a little bit confusing and out there for me. Mm -hmm. But this one, I think, is it wasn't like ha ha funny. It was more just like a yeah, like we talked about this in the great Indian novel, too. But it was more of like a huh. That's that's kind of stupid. Yeah, you're right. Mm. Which I think isn't necessarily like humorous, but it kind of just makes you question society in yeah. like a funny way. And I think that's what this book is. It's a, just like a a commentary on society. Um, our next book will be The Left Hand of Darkness by Ursula K. Le Guin. So. We knew we wanted to read one of her books, but we had a hard time picking which book because she also has the Earthsea trilogy, which is fantasy. But A, we had a lot of other fantasy that we wanted to read. And the other reason was that kind of what we alluded to at the beginning of the episode, we wanted to see this like traditional sci-fi story written by a woman. Um, cause a lot of the like fifties and sixties sci-fi is written by men and is like pretty misogynistic. So this book came out in 1969. Ursula K. Le Guin wrote tons of books, like fantasy, sci-fi and combinations. She was actually born in Berkeley and grew up there where I lived for a while. The book is about a human ambassador who is sent to a different planet that doesn't have the concept of gender the way that we do. So all of the inhabitants' gender is fluid. There's no sexual prejudice. And it goes on from there about what happens on that planet and what the reactions are. So we will be pairing this with the humans because we thought that was an interesting inverse of the humans having 
an alien coming to Earth versus in the left hand of darkness, a human goes to another planet. When I was researching this book, I saw a lot of controversy about Margaret Atwood and Ursula K. Le Guin about speculative fiction. Oh. So Atwood, at one point, she was on the BBC and she drew a distinction between sci-fi and speculative fiction. And she's like, sci-fi is just talking squids in outer space while speculative fiction, quote unquote, could really happen. And a lot of people said that maybe she was like making an attempt to elevate science fiction and like those kinds of speculative stories. But then Le Guin in a 2009 review of Atwood's book, The Year of the Flood, like, specifically criticized Atwood, saying that she had an arbitrarily restrictive definition, and, like, she's trying to not be siloed into, like, a specific sci-fi category, and there shouldn't be so much of a distinction. And anyways, I think it's, like, a big literary controversy between the two of them that I didn't know about, and is maybe something we'll find out more about when we read those books. Yeah, I think it's interesting because speculative fiction is a pretty broad term, and I also think it's evolved a lot along the years since it's been coined. And I think since it's evolved, more and more subgenres have been considered speculative fiction. But I don't like because even the humans, like Matt Haig, like when you Google his name, it says speculative fiction author. And so but like when you think about the handmaid's tale and you think about the humans like those are two very different stories and there's no other world that i would like club those two under the same genre but when you say speculative fiction it kind of makes sense like they do kind of yeah. work that way yeah it's more of like a distinction of realistic fiction versus speculative fiction it's hard to call it like a specific genre mm-hmm then the next book that we're doing is Fledgling by Octavia Butler. Uh, this was published in 2005. So Octavia Butler is like a pioneering writer in science fiction. She's written almost exclusively science fiction books, but I think what makes her stand out is she incorporates characters of color in what is a very white-centric genre. She has also like talks about themes of injustice towards African-Americans, global warming, women's rights, political disparity. So the book that we're doing, Fledgling, is a science fiction and vampire novel. It was published in 2005. So basically the main character is a 53-year-old vampire who is amnesiac. So she doesn't know anything about her former life and she is discovering herself and has some conflict about who she is and how she can save herself. This book was actually supposed to be the first book in a series, hmm. but unfortunately, less than a year after this book came out, Octavia Butler passed away as from a fall as a result of a stroke. Hmm. There are a lot of papers that exist that have concepts of what the sequels would have looked like. Her most widely known book is called Kindred. That book is about time travel written through slavery narratives, which also sounds very interesting. But this book comes under science fiction, horror fiction, and supernatural fiction. So it kind of, I think this is like a very speculative fiction book that kind of covers a lot of the genres that we talk about. 
Mm-hmm. She also wrote Parable of the Sower. Mm-hmm. That's another famous one. And I think a lot of her books deal with social issues that she, like, comments on. So I'm interested to see how she does that through the structure of a vampire story. Yeah. Our next book is The Shadow of the Wind by Carlos Ruiz Zafón. He is a Spanish novelist, and the book came out in 2001. The English version was translated by Lucia Graves. So this book is a coming-of-age kind of historical mystery set in the 20th century with kind of like these classic fantasy elements of it's in the book world and there's something about... Again, I didn't do too much research because I didn't want spoilers, but it goes into kind of like this magic element of someone who's destroying books and the main character has to figure out what is going on and what the deeper plot is. It's actually part of a series. So this book was written first, and then he wrote a prequel called The Angel's Game. And then there's The Prisoner of Heaven and Labyrinth of Spirits are the third and fourth ones. So I'm really excited about this. I actually, I think I bought this book 15 years ago and never read it, which (laughs) is just like an example of how awful my TBR and like sporadic reading is. But yeah, I think it's like a lot of fun elements of like fantasy grounded in the real world, like some historical fiction elements. If I was at a bookstore and I picked up every single one of these books that we're doing this season, I would be most likely to walk away with Shadow of the Wind. I feel yeah. like this is like very much my vibe. So I am definitely really excited to read this one. Me too. I think this of all of the books, like you said, is the most like typical of what we would usually gravitate to. Mm-hmm. Okay. And the next book we're doing is called Sea of Tranquility by Emily St. John Mandel. I think this book is the most recently published book that we're doing this season. It was mm-hmm. published in t- 2022. If you have not heard of Emily St. John Mandel, maybe she would sound more familiar to you if I mentioned The Glass Hotel or Station Eleven. Those are probably two more popular books than The Sea of Tranquility. She is a Canadian novelist. She has written six books, which have been translated into 33 languages. And Station Eleven has actually been adapted into a limited series on HBO Max, which is now called max but i haven't watched it i haven't read either of those books too although i distinctly remember requesting the glass hotel from the library and then i got it and then i forgot to read it and then my thing expired so (laughs) i tried um the same thing happened to me with station 11 i got it from the library i was not in the mood so i didn't make it past like three pages and then i never went back to it Yeah, so this book is a time travel book. It takes place in Vancouver Island, but it takes place in 1912 initially, but eventually moves on to a different location 500 years later. And it just kind of talks about this main character and how humanity has changed over these years. This one, I think, is a little bit spooky, It doesn't come under horror fiction, but definitely gives those vibes. But the genre that it comes under officially is time travel and science fiction. And I think it may have some dystopian elements. 
Oh, and also, Obama included this book in his favorite reads of 2022. Well, if Obama's read it. we had to do it. (laughs) Great. And then our final book of the season will be Piranesi by Susanna Clark. This one is also pretty recent. It was published in 2020. So Susanna Clark is a British novelist. She wrote Jonathan Strange and Mr. Norrell, which is a classic fantasy novel about magicians in England in the 18th century. And this is her next book since that came out in the early 2000s. This book is a very specific type of fantasy um, where the setting is really important. So it's set in a house, which you find out at the beginning of the book, with infinite rooms and corridors. And the title of the novel actually alludes to an 18th century artist named Giovanni Battista Piranesi, who made a series of prints that had like all these impossible geometries and vaults and stairs. So I've read this book before. I think I read it last year and I enjoyed it. It has like certain elements that are unexpected and her writing style is very easy to read. So I'm excited. Like when I first read it, I had wanted Neha to read it and I'm curious to see like what you think about it and what, what our discussion will be. Yeah, I think the whole reason why we picked this book over Jonathan Strange and Mr. Norrell is specifically because you had mentioned that there was a lot to talk about. And so I was like, well, that sounds like the perfect book for a podcast. Mm. So, yeah. I did want to say that I think one of the things we struggled with in selecting our books for the season was really showcasing the diversity that we try to highlight in our podcast. And that took us a very long time to kind of call through and figure out which kind of books we wanted to read. And this book list in the end made me feel like we weren't quite there with the kind of representation that we wanted to achieve. But when I think about it a little bit more, it's also that we want to try and expose ourselves to books that we are not as familiar with. And I think we are getting to that a lot with the season because most of these genres such as sci-fi and some of the other kind of urban fantasy are pretty out of my wheelhouse. And I think it is helpful to read different genres. And I think the other thing is that even though a lot of the authors on our book list this season are white, um, Western writers, it can still be helpful to look at those books through that lens of whiteness and figure out what they are trying to say or what they're not saying and why we still do need more representation in our writing. Mm -hmm. And that is season three books, guys. So go buy them or request them from the library. Yeah. We're excited to get started. Yeah. Get on all your dark academia apparel. And I'll just like go get my Severus Snape wand and my cape and (laughs) my Harry Potter robes, like (laughs) full on. All right. See you guys next episode. Thanks for listening to The Novel Team. We are your hosts, Nehan Trithi, and our music is created by Apoorva Koti. We love to hear from you. Send us book recommendations or episode commentary. Subscribe to our free newsletter linked in the episode description. You can find us on Instagram at thenovelty.pod or email us at thenovelty.pod at gmail.com. Until next time, happy reading.